Mike. Hi, Michelle. Hey. Hey, um, first things first. Stemless Italian wine glasses do not fit in Mercedes Sprinter van cup holders. <laughs> that is uh, a pretty important information to know. It's a tragedy. It's pretty bad. So what are you going to do? Seriously, Michelle, I think whatever's looking out there in the world, we have had a crazy week. We just have to try to escape it by bonding and helping each other and having a little fun, right? Hey, I agree. I'm with you. So this is 505 on Better Call Saul, dedicado a Max. It's 504, right? 505, Michelle. Is it 505? Halfway through. Are we halfway through? I had 504 written Are you gonna down. you going to repeat everything I say? Uh, maybe. Everything you say? <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, how did you like Dedicato a Max? Okay, you know my love for this show. I mean, you know it. I think everybody knows that. I try not to fangirl on it too much, but I think I do. But if I'm going to be totally honest, I was really hoping we'd get more on Max and Gus in this episode. I think we learned a lot. I understand that showing us the village and the fountain and the fact that Gus is a silent benefactor to this whole thing is compelling. But I was really hoping that we would get a story. And yeah, I guess can you, piece, do, you, do you remember the story of what we know of Max? Can you recap it? The only thing I remember about Max is when he... And, and this could be wrong, but this is what my memory is. That he went with Gus to Eladio's. And for whatever reason, Hector killed him or had him killed. And just basically almost like as a afterthought, a joke or whatever. Well, we know more than that. We, we, well, I think we know more than that. I think we know that Gus rescued Max from the slums in Chile in Santiago. and put from, him this, through... from this, you think that's what No, that's... from probably from Salud. Okay. And maybe a couple other episodes back in Breaking Bad. Okay. But he rescued him, he gave him an education in chemistry, and then he began to use that knowledge of chemistry to cook meth. Apart from their partnership in the Poyos Hermanos, he's the other hermano, he's the other brother of... Man, I'm sorry this is so loud. Michelle, I'm fighting off gangsters and chi and pigeons. I almost said chickens. <laughs> I, had to, I had to chase a pigeon out of the office. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm in the Sprinter. I'm in the mobile West Coast Project mobile uh, studio again, and uh, I have the door open. A pigeon would come in here if he could, probably. Well, he might do it. <laughs> but I had to chase a pigeon out of the office, and he was uh, not happy. You have to promise that if a pigeon comes in that mobile West Coast Project office tonight, that that will be the cover photo. Oh, I'm stopping it. No, I can't take a photo of him. <sighs> come on. <laughs> no, what do you think? I'm got my camera ready to shoot a photo. You should just put it up. Be ready. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, okay. so Max was saved by Gus, and by the way, he's Maximino Arch Arcienega. Maximino okay. Arcienega, and they he taught him how to you know get, or he didn't teach him, but he got him through school and he learned chemistry. That's how he learned, I guess, to be a good chicken cook, but also to to learn meth cooking. Okay. And then this village is dedicated to Max, dedicated to Max's memory by the fountain. 
Um, and I think it might be because he saved Max from all the bullshit in Santiago that maybe Gus is saving some of the children in this village from some of the cartelishness that's all around him in Mexico. I think it's definitely telling us something about Gus for doing this as a silent benefactor. I think it tells us a lot about him. It's really interesting, this whole thing. Um, I was going to talk about it at the end, but I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. But it's like Kim is taking something good and she's making it dirty in the name of justice, right? She's taking like the law, which is supposed to be a good thing, and she's making it dirty. Gus is take, taking something dirty, like this drug stuff, but he's doing something really good with it by having this village and you know we see in a little while these children running by in these school uniforms and they're clean and they're well fed and they're happy and they're laughing and what kind of life would these people have without that so i guess the question is is one of those worse than the other yeah that's a whole that's a hell of a question well the really the question is is it is ill-begotten money worth it if you benefit people who are just poor and don't have a chance ever at education and I mean, it's it's a complicated question. I don't think you can just say yes or no to it. Right, right. But but, I, but I, just to finish off, Max, he was he was you know Gus made this memorial for him in his village, but he also established a scholarship at the University of New Mexico. That's how Gail back in Breaking Bad. That's how Gail got connected to Gus because Gail got through college because of this scholarship. Okay. I didn't remember that's all that. related to Max, and I don't think we're done with. I don't think this dedicado on Max. If it's dedicated to Max, is that the end of it? Because this is the title of the episode, or is there more? I think there's going to be more. I think there has to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I think we have to know as much as we have to know Kim's story and Gene's story. Jimmy saw Gene's story. I think we have to know Gus' story. Too, although we know the ending of Gus. But, you know, Gus, when it really boils down to it, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but his thing is revenge now. That's just it. That's what everything boils down to to him. Well, so revenge, more... revenge, obviously, to one extent, but on the other end, it's the memory. You know, he's trying to honor his friend slash lover or whatever. Nobody really knows what the heck he was. There's hints to him being in a relationship with this guy. But, um, Michelle, you mentioned Kim. Are you okay with the extracted Kim drama? We don't really know if she's good or bad or if she's going to be in jail or if she's just going to reject Jimmy because he's in jail or he's a bad guy and she's a good girl. <laughs> Are you okay with this extracted not knowing about Kim? I think Kim is one of the most interesting characters. I think they've developed her so well on this series. I think... Kim is probably, she probably is showing the feelings that we all have. She's trying, she's doing good. She's doing good for the most part. And that's what she wants to do. But she's going about it in questionable at best ways. And it's the same question, you know, is it, is it okay to crush the the I don't know if it would be the law, but kind of to do the right thing, to 
elicit the outcome that you feel like is yeah, right. Yeah, she's learning that shortcuts work. Shortcuts, shortcuts are beneficial to her end, even if they're not legal or even like moral. Yes. She's learning that shortcuts work. She's learned that several times in smaller scenes, and then certainly in this episode she learns it. But I don't know. I don't know how she's going to end up. And they there's as many different theories as there are, you know, ideas with her because it could really almost go any way. And um, I don't know. How do I you thought feel we, about her? I thought we would have dispatched Kim by now, by the middle of the second to last up, um, season. I thought we would have figured out where Kim is going or what she's kind of what her fate is. But we don't know yet. No, other than finding out about Jean and what's going to happen with Jean. And I'm still ever hopeful that Kim is out there waiting somewhere and we're going to yeah. see them together. I mean, everybody but, kind of hopes that. But, I mean, we don't even know the direction of Kim anymore. Is she going to be in jail or is she going to be, you know, this high, highly paid lawyer that took the high road while, while Jimmy took the low road? Looks like she's almost headed towards the low road. Yeah, but why would she be in jail? I don't think she's doing anything illegal, is she? So far. Oh, well, she's not as high road as she was in the middle of season four. No, but is is she doing anything illegal, do you think? It looks like she's conspiring with Jimmy to make, to, to sway Kevin's company to make this Ellis guy keep his property. I mean, it looks like fraud. But how would that be different than her conspiring with Rich to get the outcome that she felt like? I don't think she's conspiring. I think Rich is keeping it on the straight and narrow. No, no. I'm just saying, would it? Would that be different? Would that be different if she did do that? No, I'm but saying... she didn't appear to be. She appeared to be a straight up and up lawyer on the, on the, you know, on the straight and narrow until to an you know, last couple three episodes. Yeah, she liked I mean, to she... play at it. She liked to throw a couple beer bottles off a building and she liked to scam a couple Giselle scams, but now she's I don't know, now she's like okay with more more worse stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Kim is gonna end up. I don't know if she's gonna get disgusted with herself and that's going to cause her to be disgusted with Jimmy and everything he stands for because Jimmy's not coming back. We know that. And I don't know if it's going to be just something as simple as that. I don't think it necessarily has to be some big explosion blowout. I think it could just be, you know, I don't want to be this person and the only way I'm happy around you is if I'm Giselle. You don't think Jimmy and Kim buy... Go back to Joliet and buy his dad's old store and just, like, live out the rest of their days as shopkeepers in some small bodega in the suburbs suburbs of Chicago? I don't know if Jimmy could do that, considering the probable bounty he has on him, but I don't One know. One thing I like about this show is how other people broke bad, <clears throat> besides Walt. When you think Breaking Bad is the story of Walt. But Skylar kind of broke bad. Marie broke bad. Hank had a little bit of dicey stuff in his background. And now Kim's breaking a little bad. I mean, it's all, it's like, it's like, it's like the little bit of dark side that we all have a hint of in our personalities, no matter who we are. But Howard has broke good. 
Well, Howard's another story. He is. Well, we start with Mike waking up and what we learn is this village that Gus has made as the living shrine, as we just talked about to Max. He's angry and yelling, and he wants to know, did Gus bring him here? He's talking to this Senora Cortazar. He takes off on foot but realizes it's a long, long walk when he comes upon a sign, and he sits down on this fallen log, and he checks that he has no phone battery, and... Mrs. Cortazar told him that the phones in the village only work local, so we got that. And then the doctor comes driving up. What was he driving? A little smart car? Yeah, Michelle, you know, we, I don't know if our secret is out, but <clears throat> I'm helping your husband with his business and we're kind of working together. And so we watched this episode together and you made the comment, I would love to take that car to Publix, like the grocery store. <laughs> and I bit my tongue because I've commented about that company before. That car is an electric car call it GEM, Global Electric Motor, or acronym GEM. And okay. we went to North Dakota to buy that company. And I think I told this story before on one of the other podcasts. That um, those the guys in North Dakota and Fargo, maybe I told it on the Fargo podcast. But they took me out to dinner, and the dinner, quote-unquote, was like the, whatever was the appetizers at happy hour. But anyway, that that company was called Global Electric Motors. Gem Chrysler ended up buying them, and that's what that little car was. It's an electric, um, battery-powered car. I just I don't remember that story. I remember some of your electric car stories, but not that one specifically. But I loved it. I would absolutely drive that thing. You see those cars everywhere now. They're in football because they're electric. They don't make any. There's no carbon monoxide coming out of them, so you can drive them in, in like, enclosed sure. like football stadium. So you see them all over football and baseball stadiums. And that company actually got sold to Chrysler, and, it, you know, those cars are everywhere now. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. I loved it. And I love that the doctor, that was cool. He came driving up in it. And, um... But nobody's going to answer any of Mike's questions at all. But he does extend his hand to take him back. But we know, right? We know that's Dr. Goodman from Salude who helped patch up Mike and Gus after the charcoal poison in his stomach and Mike's gunshots. Sure. Maybe even Jesse had a couple gunshots. Can't remember. So what did you think about that? Um, I think it's good. I think it's I think it's interesting that Gus had this little village dedicated to Max or Mox. Mox. <laughs> I think it was um I think it's very interesting and I don't think they're done with it. Like I said, I think we have to learn more about Gus's background still. But wasn't it funny though that nobody would even tell him why he was there and we didn't find out how he got there. I mean, is Gus having him followed? How did they even find him on the sidewalk? Well, we don't know any of that stuff. That's the power of Gus. That's like the I'll make this village for you, and everything's. It's almost like the what was the village in The Walking Dead where everything was cool? Um, Alexandria. Yeah, everything was kind of in. If you're in the walls, you're safe and sound. It's kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, but how did Gus know Mike got stabbed? If he weren't having him followed. Michelle, Gus knows everything. No. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so then we come back and we're at the construction site. The construction foreman is talking about how they're going to deconstruct Mr. Acker's house. And this is the beginning of Saul's shenanigans. They're kind of juvenile and harmless-ish compared to what I believe is coming anyway. But Saul starts the first of his hijinks, which is to like claim that they're at the wrong address. And so it takes them a day to prove that because there's mail in the mailbox with uh, with another address on it. Just silliness. It's silliness. And the sheriff's there because the sheriff's going to have to literally pull this old guy veteran out of his home. And I think he's either lazy or he just doesn't want to do it or doesn't want to take any responsibility for it because he just keeps saying in every instance I have to go make a call right. it's like he's erring on the side of caution in doing this right Jimmy and Kim are not trying to hit a home run with any of these little pranks they pull to delay it they just want to delay 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 with these little cartoonish little first it's the mailbox number then it's the artifacts in the lawn then it's like the whatever some radiation it's all a bunch of bullshit little stuff that keeps delaying it yeah it's death by a thousand paper cuts exactly what they're trying to do yeah so we go to kevin having lunch with Paige and kim and he's mad about losing the day and of course we're going to find out that that's going to be nothing and then kim tells him that it's jimmy who's representing mr acker and she offers to resign and Kevin does that, I smell a rat, I can tell when, so, you know. And he goes into all that, but he thinks that Mr. Acker found Kim so tough that he decided to hire her significant other and hire Jimmy to take Kim away from him. Right. I'm a little disappointed in Kevin. He smells a rat, but it's the wrong rat. <laughs> I thought he was pretty smart before, but he's kind of a doofus now. Um, they, yeah. He, he, Kim gets like Kim double reverses him and gets kind of stuck into this more by him being a doofus, right? Because he thinks, like you said, he thinks it's a ploy to get Kim off the team. <laughs> and he solid and she kind of wants to get off the team, but he solidifies her in there even more by not quite understanding the prank. Yeah, I didn't know if she really wanted to. I think she had just, like, resigned herself to, I have to be off this because that's the only way it's going to look right. But then when he insists that she stays, it really puts her, like, in this great position to continue to be able to have a little more control over what she's trying to do. But Paige even suggests that it might be hard on Kim at home, but Kim said it doesn't have anything to do with her personal life that um, she didn't want any of this to have the feel of any kind of impropriety. But Kevin wants her, so that's oh, it. He's a bonehead. Kevin's a stubborn moron. We have seen before where stubbornness has gotten people into trouble in Breaking Bad. And this is, you know, this is the Breaking Bad universe, so this is Breaking Bad. But, like, Walt, with, the, with his drunken wine conversation with Hank about, no, I don't think you quite have them yet. I think there's somebody else still out there. Like, they were trying to give credit for catching the, you know, the meth mastermind. And, no, uh, it's not quite right. I think he's still out there. It's like just being stubborn and and bullet-headed. 
Yeah, and yes, and I'll, well, and in Walt's case, almost boastful or whatever, just um, just that. But well, that's but what he, Kevin is. He's like, don't I will not be defeated by this. I will, <laughs> whatever he said. I don't remember the words, but it's total alpha. Like the best solution is not stubbornness. But see, they didn't show Kevin like that before, and I'm kind of curious. I'm curious your thoughts on this too. When we saw Kevin in this whole series, I mean, we've seen him a bunch, not at least in the last, uh, you know, year or two, we've seen him. What do you think? I don't think he was like this. Do you think that his gaining so much success so fast is what's brought this on? Because, you know, they showed Kim starting off and it was evidently just like one place and then he wanted to expand and he's done all this huge expansion and they've really went above and beyond. And by the way, Kim didn't have any trouble or any, you know, whatever, getting the, the whatever those things were, the, the, oh, what's it called when you have diagrams of the places that you're going to build? Remember um, when know. she went into the office and she had those rolled up and she and Jimmy spilled the breast milk on them or whatever and and they got that changed for Kevin? Remember yeah, land he, plots. I don't know. It's it's yes. yeah, it's yeah, yeah she Kevin didn't have is, any trouble doing it for Kevin. So I really don't know why we're so surprised that she would have any trouble doing it against Kevin, I guess. Well, Kevin is different. Kevin has been changed from this smart, entrepreneurial, like really likable guy to kind of this, like, like I said, thick-headed, like alpha. We, you know, he's kind of unlikable, and it, and it's even unlikable for Kim to make fun of him being unlikable. Was she making fun of him? You don't think she was making fun of him when Jimmy and Kim had the oh yeah 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 he's a bore he's a bore and but you're right he was not a bore before he was like a cool smart entrepreneur making ground against bigger banks and like being this entrepreneurial aggressive he got he got too big for his britches though he made all those big buildings and statues and he made the little models in his office like Stuff right. you don't really need to become to move everything ahead business wise. It was just all like glory. It was vanity, you know. To quote uh, Barry Corbin, you know, it's all vanity. Well, he used to listen to Kim too, and to Paige more. Back when we first met him, he would ask Kim her, you know, take on something. And I guess that's not a position you can take every single time. But he trusted Kim you and trusted. Should her position and that well maybe not with somebody like Kim because she definitely if you has hire her own a lawyer, agenda. You should hire you should hire their expertise and listen to it. Yeah. Well then we go to the doc, Doc Goodman stitching up Mike. Mike just wants to leave and he's telling him how far out in the middle of nowhere he actually is. He's a long walk and then a day's bus ride to El Paso. And by the way, this doctor sucks really bad at butterflying wounds. That was ridiculous. But Mike okay. <laughs> leaves that. It was really bad. That was yeah, really bad. and Michelle, I made a mistake last episode or whenever, two episodes ago, when I said, oh, it's walkable back from wherever they are to, to, to Albuquerque because a day's ride to El Paso is a long-ass ride. Trust me, I've been... 
been in this uh, Sprinter Mobile West Coast Project office, and you can go pretty damn far in a day. <laughs> you can go like 500 miles, maybe not in a bus, but you can go hundreds of miles. Yeah, that's why I'm so curious how Mike ended up there. And we're just kind of blowing that off. He gets stabbed on the sidewalks in Albuquerque, and he ends up, you know, a thousand, not a thousand, but you know what I mean. I mean, a long, long, maybe, maybe a thousand, eight hundred miles away. Yeah, pretty far away. That is unclear how he stayed unconscious, conscious, and unaware of how far he got. And now he appears to be okay. It wasn't like they drugged him or anesthetized him. He was just out of it for a long, for a day, at least a day to get there. Yeah, at least a day. I mean, at least a day. If the bus rides a day to El Paso. Anyway, it's just weird. It's weird that we don't know about that. And it's weird that nobody's even talking about that. We just assume that Gus can pull these these miracle crazy things off and we don't like that miraculous anyone. though for him he's got a lot of resources and he you know he's clearly he hasn't set this up in a weekend he set this up beforehand well how did he set it up you think he had the guy stab him oh no i just think he's had a, i think he's had a medical guy ready on the call for probably years before this well, yeah, but not specifically for Mike, though. You mean just there? Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean... On his payroll. Sure. He had to have been following Mike, though. Had They had to have been. Well, this is clearly set up to have Mike brought there. I don't know if Gus set up Mike getting stabbed. I think Gus has, like, 25-hour surveillance over Mike, though. Yeah. Gus likes Mike. Gus wants to hire Mike. Gus is interested in what Mike knows. He knows about Mike and Lalo and Mike and Nacho and all that. You know, he's Gus is wired into whatever he needs to know. He's not going to like let that go slack. But I think that's part of probably what upsets Mike because he wakes up there. I mean, now he knows where he is and how far he actually is from home, doesn't remember getting there, how he got there, and knows that Gus just happened to find him, be the first to find him, on the sidewalk. And not Gus, obviously, but Gus's guys. It's really kind of crazy. That would be really a pretty scary, invasive thing. Yeah, Mike Even, does not like knowing. Mike does not like not knowing what he doesn't know. He wants to always be like the one chess move ahead. Right. But Gus is the Bobby Fisher. He's the chess master. Oh, he is. Nobody is ahead of Gus. Well, Mike goes walking through the village, and he comes upon that fountain, and this is where the school kids are running through there. We see the little girl, and they're all happy and everything, and. They pan away from this scene, and we see the plaque that says Dedicado a Max, which is where we get our episode name for this episode. Yeah, you you have no trouble saying it, Michelle. I wonder why I do. I don't know. Well, you know, me and my fluency in Spanish. I'm Spanglish. Yeah. <laughs> um... Okay, and then we see Saul. He's making a mess in the kitchen. He's brewing all these different potions, and he's got something in a bag, which we later learn is the pottery. Howard calls, and Howard's 
all zinned out and he's got his feet propped up and he wants to know if Jimmy's given the job any thought and Jimmy says he's given it the consideration it deserves and then he's going to continue thinking about it and he pretty much hangs up on him. Yeah, I put Jim. Howard as Burt Cooper. Who? Burt Cooper from Mad Men. Oh. He's got the octopus painting and take off your shoes before you come in my office. He's like totally Eastern Zen philosophically like relaxed he's overly relaxed howard's definitely doing well his getting out from under the heavy hand of chuck has only done good things for him but kim comes in and they discuss that she is somehow miraculously still on the case and jimmy's real interested in knowing how that happened and kim's trying to tell him and he says no i want to play-by-play he wants the story so this is where you were talking about kim starts mimicking kevin and really like using his and jimmy eggs or eggs her own you know even if you don't want to necessarily mock how someone speaks if somebody says do they speak like this? Then, of course, you're going to go, no, it's more like da-da-da, right? And that's what she does. And then she gets into it, and he starts playing her, and they do this little thing, this little cutesy little thing, and it seems to turn him on, and he, acting as Kim, wants to go shower with It turns Kevin. them both. It's brilliant. It's, yeah. it's, it's like an exercise in complete intelligence. I didn't like it being at the at the expense of Kevin, though. Like I said, I think he took a pretty hard fall in this episode. I didn't even feel like it was necessarily about Kevin. She's right. She. I, I know, but we would have like never that. seen this type of betrayal of Kevin in the last season. He was a smart guy. Last, he was not that long ago. He was a pretty smart dude, and now he's like a he's like a cartoon character. Okay, so what you're saying is you don't like to see that Kevin has fallen, not that you yeah. don't like to see Kim making fun of him. Well, I said both. <laughs> I, I want all sides of this. I said I like how they make all these characters turn the, essentially to break bad, and Kevin kind of got greedy and made his bank empire into a kind of a Ozymandias cartoon. Like, I'm, I'm the greatest and no one will ever topple me. And now they're making fun of him because he's kind of a dork. I don't think we would have said that too many episodes ago. I think he was kind no. of a smart entrepreneur. I agree. But I didn't take I didn't take what Kim was saying as being um, overly cruel to Kevin. I just felt like she was... Mm, I took it pretty cruel. as pretty cruel. Did you? Yeah, she's his, she's his only lawyer. I'll, I'll give all my business, all my attention to your enterprise. And now she's like mocking him with Jimmy, who's kind of going behind him to hire, to work with Ellis to like screw everything up. It's pretty, pretty derogatory of, not derogatory, but it's pretty, it's pretty low ball of Kim to go after her boss like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely get why you feel that way. I just didn't take it as being that way because she didn't want to. She didn't specifically, and she told Jim, I'm not going to do that. And she did, so she probably felt a little funny about it, at least funny about thinking about doing it. But no more than a caricature 
that somebody draws is making fun of you. I mean, I guess Yeah, but it is. she knows what Jimmy's doing, right? Jimmy's, like, smashing artifacts to make more problems to delay Kevin's business. He's not brewing teas up there. He's not making, like, 99 teas for Christmas. He's making stains to put on the artifacts to make them look semi, you know, realistic to slow everything down for Kevin's call center. Yeah, she definitely knows that he is dancing around some pretty unscrupulous ways of postponing this. But her speaking for Kevin using his inflection and his dialect, I didn't I didn't see that as necessarily she's being She's mocking wrong. him. And she's further mocking him by saying, oh, Jimmy, come on, let's cut this out. This is not really fair to Kevin. It's like, hey, let's go celebrate by jumping in the shower together. They're getting off on this. They're both, like, enjoying it. So was Jimmy mocking her no. by using her voice? No, no, no. They're both mocking Kevin. Okay. I just didn't take it Jimmy like facilitated her to be Kevin by being her. It's brilliant. It's really smart writing. It's really interesting, though, where the, the you know it's smart writing, of course, but we know it's been smart writing for twelve years, years now. Yeah. But Kim, <clears throat> where Kim's going is a total mystery to me now. Yeah. But and that's neat. I like that. I like that we don't know. I like that we don't have that figured out. And I like that we don't have it figured out in such a way that it doesn't feel like they're just yanking our chain. It feels very organic, and it feels very truthful to me that it could happen that way how many times have you thought kim was about to say to jimmy you know jimmy you're just like not good for me and i need to be on my own and do my own thing and like pursue my career and we're not working out many but, times yeah me too and now she, they're jumping in the shower like oh everything's great and we, i love this this is fun they're 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 perfectly okay with each other yeah <clears throat> Choke well, me up, Michelle. I can't. Well, <laughs> I can't take it for poor Kim. Well, back at the hacienda, Mike attempts to make a call, but true to Mrs. Cortazar's words, only local calls can be made. So Mike goes to all this trouble of finding these what looks like radio pieces. And he's trying to wire them together to make some kind of phone charger. When Mrs. Cortazar comes in with a phone charger and hands it to him, and making Mike look kind of stupid. He plugs it in and he immediately calls Gus and asks why he's here. He gets no satisfaction and Gus hangs up on him. I don't think it makes Mike look stupid. I think it makes the Mujer, what's her name, Cortisone? Cortisar. I think it makes her look really smart. She's she's like she's one chess move ahead of Mike, in a weirdly unusual way. Which is really kind of cool. I like how the writer's room makes all these women so smart that they're not just servants to these gangsters she's like a couple steps ahead of mike she knows why he's there she knows what he needs she knows like you're an idiot for trying to put a stereo together into a phone charger here take my phone charger you dope well it just makes him you know i mean honestly to tell the truth i didn't think about him asking for a phone charger either but i just love it how he didn't he didn't think to ask for a phone charger. Well, of course, in, a, in an Adobe Pueblo Mexican village, you're going to ask for a phone charger? Well, specifically when he's on the phone and he can't get a line out and she knows he wants to make a call. So I guess that was a little disingenuous of her part, but I don't know. It was kind of... No, I liked how they just made her smart. Like, 
Look, you, do you dork. You don't need to take apart the stereo. Just use this phone charger. I liked it. I like how they make women smart. Smarter than some of the smartest characters. Because Mike's, like, really a smart guy. Women are smart, Mike. They are? Yes, they are. So then the construction crew comes up to Mr. Acker's house. And this time, there's the archaeological dig going on. It's going to take a week or so to sort out. Pottery's been found. And the sheriff has to make a call. And then Kim is in a meeting, and she finds out that they're being sued on behalf of the water district. Then they're claiming that there's something in the original land grant from 1846 that's a problem. Then claiming that the prime contractor is an escaped felon. And then we cut to Jimmy dismantling fire alarms and putting that um, americium out of them, right? That's what it is, right? Yeah, it's a no, I don't know what the what the chemical is or what the substances but it's a total did you see the movie the great escape michelle did you catch that 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 was a tribute to that i did not they dug a tunnel in the great escape and the way they distributed the soil from the tunnel that they drove is they put it in their pants and walked around and dropped it down through their oh yeah shit yeah well no i saw that in shawshank i think but yeah okay never mind. they did maybe they did uh, in shawshank but it's totally from the great escape steve mcqueen yeah, don't you remember when he had the the poster of Raquel Welch on his wall and he was chipping away through the wall in the prison and he was putting the rocks in his pocket and going out and, like, shaking it out of his pants leg? That's Well, that was another tribute to The Great Escape. Okay. Do you know the name of the original Shawshank story by Stephen King, Michelle? Ah. <sighs> I don't. I think it's no. I think it's Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. I think it's that. Because he had a poster of Rita Hayworth in his cell when he Oh when okay. The, I think they, I said Raquel Welch. But... Well in the movie they had Raquel Welch. Oh okay. So okay. and I think he I think in the movie they might have even portrayed it as first Rita Hayworth because she was obviously because he's in there for a long time. Right. That she was the star when he went in and then he was in there so long that Raquel Welsh was like in the seventies, like later. But anyway, Rita Rita Hayworth on the Shawshank Redemption Redemption or Conspiracy. Anyway, it's a good it's a Stephen King short story. That's one of the best movies ever. But did you know that there is like warnings on the back of fire alarms, those fire detectors or whatever smoke detectors about how dangerous it is or whatever not to put them down your pants well it, i it doesn't specifically say that on the ones that i've read but it's the um if i'm saying it right it's the americium one some numbers or something in it that's radioactive mildly radioactive but he he's grinding them up in a coffee grinder while wearing a mask with mr acker and then they go outside and look at the stars. And they've got the guards out there to make sure nothing happens. And he does this right under their nose. Right there. Well, they had to do it under the guards in Shawshank and the German soldiers in The Great Escape. So that's why you drop it down your pants, Cuffs. Well, the next day the EPA is out there and the soil has some borderline radiation in it. And they need soil sample samples and the sheriff has to, uh, you know... That's what he says. 
Got to go make a call. So then we see Paige telling Kevin on the golf course that they have a problem. And then we go back to Mr. Acker, and he's on the phone with a radio personality saying he's never thought he'd see a miracle with his own eyes, while Saul is, like, spray-painting a vague Jesus face on the side of Mr. Acker's house, which makes crowds come and newspaper headlines and all that kind of stuff. So then Kim and Kevin are looking at the newspaper article saying the crowds are now fading, as is the the mural, I guess. They should be cleared to resume construction on Thursday, assuming nothing else comes up. And this is where Kevin wants to sue Acker and Saul. Acker and Goodman, I want to sue them both. And Paige says that going down that road could take years. Rich says there may be a way to turn this around. Don't build the call center there. And I think Kim was surprised when he said that. He says, let's just make the switch to the other side. And Kim says the other lot's still viable. They can, you know, that they've ran everything. The financial hit will be negligible. Yeah, at some point it is smarter just to take the shorter path to your goal. Right. And Schweikert is right. Rich is right. Just take the fuck all this, man. (laughs) This guy's just cartoonishly slowing everything down. Just take the other... Okay, he won. Take the other path. But Kevin is the one who bluffoonishly says, no, I won't give up on this fight. Well, Kevin thinks about it. You know, we all think he's going to do it. Kim thinks he's going to do it, I think. He's thinking about it. And then he just pitches a royal fit. And he tells Kim that she's going to find a way to get this this guy off this property. And the call center is not moving an inch. And he's like stomping his feet and just essentially being a big, big baby about it. So, Michelle, because we're a day late, I had a day extra to listen to the Insider podcast. So, first of all, I'm sorry to everyone we're a day late. But Kevin, they made a point on the Insider podcast that Kevin has no background, like nothing illegal, nothing blackmail, blackmailable, they right. called it, mm-hmm. which was pretty interesting. And they said that um, on, in, on the Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul Insider podcast, the scandal is in the legal, not the illegal. So the scandalous thing that, you know, that the scandal is really that everything they're doing is legal. Um, and that Kim sees something, I didn't catch this in the episode until I listened to the Insider podcast, but Kim has caught something about Kevin that we didn't get to see. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, yes, I did. Um, it's something, I think, in the logo that she's caught. I have no idea what it is, but the pictures that the private eye got of the papers or maybe copies of the papers I think it was just pictures of the papers on uh, Kevin uh, Kevin's desk oh like a copyright deal or something it's, it's something it's something Kim's looking at the paperwork on Kevin's desk and when Jimmy walks back in she smiles at him so that's why like, that's why it. Jimmy's like oh we got a man fucking a horse or whatever it's like always a horse and a cowboy and a like a silhouette of a guy on a horse. Well, that's what their their logo is, right? Right. It's the it's the cowboy on the horse with his you know hat, whatever, thrown up in the air, and the horse is uh, right. up on his hind legs or whatever. As okay. as I recall it, I'm just thinking about it. But 
But Kim and Jimmy, they're laying in bed, and Jimmy's, you know, giving her the pep talk that she gave it her best shot, went above and beyond, gave more than Mr. Acker deserves, risk a lot for this guy, blah, blah. Jimmy says this time next week, Acker's going to be living somewhere else, and it's not a big deal. Plus, she can only push Mesa Verde so far. And then he says, there's another way. And then he gets up and says, that's not the way to play it. Get Acker some money, pop the champagne, go on with life. But Kim's not going to let it drop. So she says to Jimmy, she's like, or? And Jimmy says, or we go after Kevin. And it gets nasty and it gets personal and it gets dangerous. And Kim follows him into the kitchen. And she's like standing in the doorway right there. And she's like, okay. She likes it. There's something about Jimmy that taps into Kim's bad streak. Like her potentially being a bad person streak. Right. Well, yeah. And it's... I don't know. I mean, I can't decide how I feel about this because I waffle back and forth. But it's like, yes. So what do you think that says about human nature, Michelle? Do you think there is an attraction for women and guys that make them face like something as like police cars go by me yeah what have you done now mike oh he's a couple gunshots do you think there's something in women that appeals to them about guys that are like on the low low down like the bad streak like like i'll show you your bad side baby it's it's working on kim yeah i don't think that's a standard but i think Certainly, depending on, you know, situational, it could. Just like guys like the crazy wild girls, too, half the time. And, but it's situational, I think. Okay. I don't know. I don't know, but that, that was a pretty interesting... That That was the switching point. That went from... The hijinks and the mischievousness and the irritation and the paper cut. I know. That's what I've been trying to say, though. I don't think there is a switching point. I think Kim always likes this. There, it wasn't like she. It wasn't like there was a pivot, a fulcrum, and she, the the weight of the illegal illegal stuff, like finally won her over. She's always been interested in this. Well, I think she's interested in, I think she started out being interested in what was right. And I think she's kind of switched to being into, because really this Acker thing is not right. Not by law. It's not right. And so I think she's kind of switching into being interested in getting her way. Yeah. Well, Kim, I'm just going to say Kim is breaking bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, when Saul's telling her it's going to be nasty and ugly and, you know, everything, and she's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way to look at it. She's, like, impressed by the underground Craigslist. Sorry to well, jump, jump into your next scene, but that's that's the word she is, right? 
Well, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't get that she was impressed, but I don't know. First, Mike gets the call from Jimmy, who he obviously has a lot of respect for, not. And, yes, Mike's in a tunnel. He just flat out turns Jimmy down. He doesn't want to work with Jimmy. Jimmy goes, but this is a paying gig. It's not about the Hummel. And Mike's like, leave me alone. And then some time has passed. And, the well, first... The woman in the other room, she's trying to mop up rainwater where it's coming through the window and Mike comes to the rescue with like a blanket or something. And then some time's passed and we see Mike having a meal at the table, drinking coffee while Mrs. Cortazar fusses around him and all that kind of stuff. And then he goes to the window and has to tear it out and the whole seal's going to have to be replaced. So he's doing what Mike does. Mike's a stud with that carpentry. He's won numerous women over. I'm telling you. He won the woman over in the group with whatever he did for her, and then he built a sidewalk or something. I mean, he's like a playground, yeah. He's like a put on his hard hat and tool belt, man. He's ready to go. I'm telling you, he's impressive as everything. So then Jimmy and Gazelle are inside the nail salon waiting on the PI they hired, and it's Negan's number two guy, which is kind of cool. And I, think it's, I think it's Giselle, not Gazelle. Like, you're really fast, Gazelle. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have it written down as Gazelle. I think you're right, though. Giselle. Well, it is written like that, but I think it's Giselle. And I think it's, yeah, Stephen Og, Stephen Og or Og is the real name of the guy. His name He's in this. He's a great actor. He really is. His name in this is Sobjek S. O-B-J-A-K, I think. Yeah, Sobchak. He that's the name of the that's the name of uh what's his name? Um who is Rock Roseanne Barr's husband in the show? Goodman? Yeah. John in, Goodman? in the Big Lebowski. Oh. Really? Sobchak. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that's... how all these flashbacks are or touchstones of other movies like connect or are supposed to be even connected, but it's so funny to see all this old country for old men and the great escape and all these other movies we've seen references to. They definitely nod to all these, but he's, he's Mr. X for the, for the meeting here, but that's his work name. But Jimmy insults him because he hadn't found anything out on Kevin and he goes into just how far he went to try to find something. And he tells Jimmy and Kim that this guy is Saturday night in Salt Lake City dull. And Jimmy's like, look, there's no such thing as nothing on somebody. And the guy goes, well, I may not be a nail salon lawyer, but I know legit when I see it. That's funny. And, yeah. That's, that's what they, the writer's room was saying. Like, this guy has, he's squeaky clean, but it looks like he may have, like, the scandal is in the legal, not the illegal. Like, maybe this copyright with the stupid horse, guy in the horse. Yeah, I think he's done something. I think he's done something. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's some kind of copyright or something because he shows Kim the paperwork that he found on Kevin's desk and then Jimmy asks if he could get into Kevin's downtown office and the, he starts talking about have two guys take him out in the desert in a bag and this is where Jimmy escorts him out. And meanwhile Kim's going through the photos of Kevin's desk area and Jimmy comes back in and Kim looks up at him and smiles. So she's, she's seen something. 
And then we go straight into Kim. She's on her computer looking at the Mesa Verde logo of the cowboy and the on the horse. And she's looking at it in every which way. She's like clicking back and forth. And I don't know if you noticed that or not, but that's what she was doing. In there. Yeah, I found another reference to another montage here, like like another homage to like Ferris Bueller, like the like the art museum where they zoomed in on the painting where Cameron zoomed in on the Mon, um, Monet painting, like he got closer and closer and closer, like uh, to the pixel. Right. Uh-huh. And I kind of got that from Kim looking at the picture, the pictures of the whatever artwork Kevin had. But um, I thought that was a Ferris Bueller mon- montage homage. That's- but I also thought, Michelle, that Ray Seahorn was like just beautiful in this picture. They made her look glowingly beautiful. I think she's pretty. I didn't notice anything in specific about this scene, but that's interesting that you did. But Rich comes in. He basically tells her she's off the case. Sometimes the less said, the better, he says to her. And she pushes, and he goes into this whole reason he doesn't believe her and what her and Jimmy, and it's too coincidental, and he walks out. And then she follows him out in the hallway, and she confronts him there. What are you saying exactly? You're accusing me, or or she says, are you accusing me of malfeasance or working against my clients? Tell me, you know, why I would risk everything for some squatter. She's really, this is the worst, because she knows she's doing this. And not only is she lying when she's caught, but she's staunchly defending it and really putting up I don't know she's she's creating this discord in the office over it so what's the end game for Kim what's her plan what's her what why is she doing this because she's found out and what do you do what do you do when you're found out for something? Do you tuck your tail between your legs or do you fight hard back against it? She doesn't want Rich to know what she is. Rich has the up, and this is just my take on it, but Rich has the utmost respect for her, or he had, and now he doesn't. Well, yeah, she Rich has- is a nice guy. Rich tries to, like, steer her back, like, okay, well, let's back away from this and get you on something else. Right. Because you're a smart lawyer, you're a smart attorney, and she, like, confronts him in public, like you said, which doesn't do her any good at all to do that in public. So I'm wondering, that's why I'm saying, what's her end game to do this all publicly when she could easily just say, hey, look, Rich. She could pull him by the lapel into a corner alcove and talk to him. But no, it's all, like, out in front of everybody. Well, yes, she wouldn't even have to pull him anywhere. He He offers to go into his office. He doesn't want to make a public scene. Nobody with any kind of class would want to do that. But and that used to be Kim. That used to be what she was. But, you know, when somebody is found out, sometimes they... I, I think it goes either way. I think you either you do one or the other, and I think it's pretty strong either way. You tuck your tail and you kind of disappear with it. Or you buck up against it. And I think that was Kim's reaction. She goes back into her office, but she collapses when she gets in the door. I mean, she's, she's shaken. She knows what she did. She has ruined 
her relationship. Her career. Yeah. Yes. I mean, as far as that goes, and I mean, Rich is not going to be quiet about it if she goes somewhere else. Who would? Well, that's kind of what I'm asking. So why do you think she burned this bridge over her career when she could have easily said, hey, Rich, I'll tell you, you know, this is, you know, or fuck you, Rich, but in private, not in front of everybody. She could have, she could have expressed herself in an alpha way privately, but she burns a lot of bridges here. Why do you think she doesn't? I think, she, well, I, I guess I, I guess I'm wondering why the writers are doing it, but somehow they're, they want us to see Kim Breaking Bad. They want us to see Kim on a par with Jimmy when I thought they would diverge. You know, I said this before. I thought Kim would diverge from Jimmy, see what Jimmy's doing, just go, now you're slipping Jimmy. I don't want any of that. I've got, like, a really good law career. You're a shyster lawyer, and I'm not. I'm a professional lawyer, so boom, that's the end of our relationship. And it would have been sad, but that would have been the end of the connection between Kim and Jimmy. But now it looks like they're on the same freaking path. So I don't know where Kim... That's what's so mysterious about where Kim's going to end up because we see where Jimmy kind of ended up. Where does Kim freaking end up? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to show us. I don't know if there's a reason for them showing us. But this was definitely a turning point for her. I don't know if Kim can save Jean if she's on a Breaking Bad path like Saul, Jimmy's into Saul was... She may be in the, she may end up in the same kind of boat that Jean is in. Yeah, I'm not picturing her going to that extreme. It's different. Well, yeah, you, know. well, you would have said that a season ago. You would have said I would have wouldn't have pictured her at any of this extreme. Now she's like halfway there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But okay, okay. If Kim had not done this if Kim had went about the straight and narrow had if gone. she if she had gone about the straight and narrow then Michelle did it upset you that Stannis was killed by what was her name Brienne not Brienne Brienne was her name yes <laughs> anyway Stannis was the word Nazi sorry I interrupted your thought <laughs> Um, I don't think that Kim could continue with Jimmy unless she did this. So what I mean is I don't think she could continue with Jean. How could she end up with somebody like Jean after all this? Well, that's a good point. If she were the goody never. I always wondered when the very first scene of them smoking in the garage stairway... I always wondered, like, why would this beautiful, smart lawyer be anywhere near this knucklehead Saul Goodman? Like, why? what in God's earth do they have in common? But apparently they have a lot in common. So they've built this up really well. They've built this up into a very, very interesting, intriguing pathway that I want to, you know... It's not like, okay, Kim went one way, Jimmy went the other, and we'll, so we'll see what happens at the end when whatever happens to Gene. Now it's really intriguing. It's really interesting. Right. 
Right, and and if Kim had gone the completely straight and narrow, it wouldn't make any sense for them to end up together. But now, because she hasn't, maybe. But I don't know. Maybe Jean will save Kim. <laughs> maybe. We always thought of Jean needing to be saved. Maybe he bails her out. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she's in San Quentin and he sneaks her out after she crawls through 500 yards of sewage. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so then Mike is installing the window sill, and he hears Gus' voice outside the window. He walks out to the fountain, and he finds Gus there. Now, what do you think about that interaction between them? Um, I don't think anything different than what we've already talked about. I think that was Gus's little village tribute to Max. and Yeah, but the whole thing about... I thought it was so interesting. Mike wants to know what Gus wants from him. And Gus won't even hardly talk to him. He didn't want anybody there to know that they're acquainted. Nothing. He's so private about this. And Mike doesn't understand Gus at first. And he accuses him of wanting the people there to bow down to him. But then he learns that Gus is an anonymous benefactor. Nobody there has any idea who he is. They think he's just a friend of the doctor's. Yeah. And Mike asked him if this is supposed to make up for the bad that you do in life. And Gus says, no, it's not. That this place is just a memorial. And Mike goes into the fact that he didn't want Gus's money. And Gus says that he thinks Mike is at a crossroads. And I think Gus is right about that, that he, you know... Um, is drinking and he's estranged from his family and we know where this is going to end up if something doesn't change and that Gus needs a soldier because he's at war and then Mike accuses him of asking him to work for one drug dealer against another drug dealer and Gus says that he's different than the Salamancas Mike asks him he says so you're different and Gus says yes I am and I think Mike realizes he is. We don't see the Salamancas having, uh, you know, Pueblos or whatever of people that he's helping like that. Right. Gus is, Gus is the best CEO in the show. He wants the best lieutenants, and Mike is the best. He's the Bill Belichick football coach you know if you don't know Bill Belichick but he's like the best what's the best quarterback and Mike is the best out there he that's why he wants Mike that and because like he said he said that he thinks Mike understands revenge right Mike's not a Tuco who'll do just anything violently Mike's a smart Mike's a chess player like Gus they have a they have a common uh, skill set and I think that Gus recognizes that he will do anything to get the best quarterback for his team and that's Mike right now and maybe he likes him even more now that he's he seems to anyway now that he's seen how it upset Mike to kill Werner and Mike likes Gus you're different than the Salamancas you're not brutally just brutally violent you do things for a reason right he, he makes that point with walt like he screwed up a good thing you killed 
you you killed Gus and you made spoiler alert, but you killed Gus and you <laughs> ruined a good thing that we had like perfectly. It's like a this was a Maserati. It was a finely tuned engine, and you threw like sand into the crankcase. You ruined a perfectly good thing, and he was right. Well, yeah, I mean, and based on what it was, yes, yes, it was it was a well-oiled machine for sure. I don't know how it perfect. doesn't it doesn't sit well with you, Michelle, which is honorable of you, but killing children and wives and people that are close to other criminals to get your way is a an efficient way for crime to move forward and Gus was willing to do that you know and Walt didn't like it because Jesse didn't like it and that's what triggered all that and then Mike you know Mike became entangled up with that so it was you can't be an, you you can like an efficient machine, but it's hard to like an efficient crime machine because it's so brutal. Right, right. It's hard to look at it in a positive light, even if it is perfect in what it is. You know, Mike, we should go back and start, like, season one, episode one of Breaking Bad when we finish this season of Saul before the next season comes out. Well, I mean, that would be kind of hard to do in such a retrospective 8, 12, whatever. How many years ago was that? But it, I mean, it, this is timely in the in the event of Tom Brady leaving the best team in the last 20 years. Bill Belichick is the coach of the New England Patriots. Tom Brady just left them because Bill Belichick essentially doesn't want him around anymore because he's not the future so he made a coldly I mean people of New England are very sad about this fact that their their hero the GOAT the greatest of all time Tom Brady is not going to be the quarterback of the New England Patriots because it's not the best business decision or it is the best business decision but it's it pulls at their heartstrings because they're losing their quarterback okay and that's Gus. That's Gus and Mike. You know, Gus will kill children and mothers of children to make his enterprise thrive. Bill Belichick will fire his quarterback to make his enterprise thrive. You know, it's cold-hearted, but it's efficient. Is that what Gus does, or is it just to... Um, I mean, I understand that it's to make his his business thrive, but does he... I don't remember him doing that. What specifically are you talking about in that one? I'm, unless you're talking about, is it Lydia? Well, he goes up to Walt and he says, I'll kill your infant child. I'll kill your son. I'll kill your wife. He he tells him, if you don't get in line, I will do things to make you get in line. But don't you think part of that is because he is messing his, him up on his one drive his one motive in life now, which is his revenge on the Salamancas. Well, I think he told Walter that because Walt, like I said, Walt helped, I mean, we saw this in Breaking Bad, Walt helped Jesse kill the gangbangers that killed the kid. They killed Andrea's right. brother, Tomas. I can't remember all this exactly, but like they were killing children. And and Jesse didn't like it, and so Walt kind of stood up for Jesse, and Gus didn't like that because that's like this is all, 
this is all ancillary to my crime business. My crime business is efficient. Get drugs, deliver drugs. My street thugs are good at that. Whether they use children or not, I don't care. Walt supported Jesse because he didn't like children getting killed. I just wonder how complicated it is or if it's just this single-mindedness blinders on revenge that he's got on, in his mind that anything that gets in his way, he's willing to get rid of it. Well, that was know. Gus's fault. That's Gus's hum humanity. He's not a perfect machine. He had to deal with Max getting killed. He had to get revenge on Hector. That's what brought him down. If he was an efficient, totally efficient robot he would have just said oh well he you know max is gone hector works hector keeps the machine oiled a little bit off to the left side so everything's fine with juan bolsa and hector and don Eladio and everything i'll live with that but no he couldn't live with that he's human that's what makes this show so great it's not simple it's not like you can't just say this, this guy's a robot he's a complicated human Gus only had one fault. That was it. His like his his need for revenge on Max. <laughs> I wouldn't say Gus only had one fault, but I get what you're saying. Well, as a perfect business, as a perfect right. business, ruthless tycoon of business, he was one thing that led him that that affected him emotionally away from that yeah. perfection of business. Yeah. Was... But that scene between Mike and Gus that was the end of this episode. Hi, Michelle. So next on's. Next on, one of the college students, uh, the crew, filming crew, entourage, throws papers at Saul. Then we see Saul making some video, counting down to filming like five, four, three. Then we see Mike saying he only wants justice. Saul is um, saying to Kim that there's no way to prove anything. Mike says to someone that he guesses they have something they want to get off their chest. Kim is looking lovingly through the window of the nail salon at night as a voiceover, Saul voiceover, is saying shock and awe is what I'm going for. Yeah, why would Kim ever look at that nail salon lovingly? I don't know. Did you see that too? Kim of the Schweikert and whatever. Of the high-end law firms. I don't... She's, Why would she ever admire the nail salon office of Jimmy? I, well, it, she was looking through the window at night. I don't know. I don't know why. No, I think you're I right. She does kind of admire it. She does like... Yeah. She's impressed by whatever Jimmy's doing, this stupid... You can't even drink the... What is it? Water? Avocado water or something? Cucumber water, Cucumber right. water, yeah. Yeah, cucumber water. Okay, then we have call girls walking in somewhere, and we see Saul literally running down a hallway. And last, we see Nacho standing beside his muscle car in the big open warehouse type place. All right, and that was it. Next is five hundred six Wexler v Goodman, Jimmy versus Kim, or Kim versus Jimmy. We'll see, but but that wouldn't be Wexler, right? in that situation it wouldn't be Wexler I think they kind of tricked us on that I think it would be um, you know Mesa Verde versus Goodman or something 
But maybe well, they're the just... the title of the episode is Wexler. Right. But, I mean, it can't be. Kim's not suing Jimmy. That wouldn't make any sense. All right, Michelle, we'll see. We will see. All right, so until then, 506 in a week. Take care, Michelle. See you next week. Okay, Mike. See you then.